What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We're now on Amazon Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Drop underscore Pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. Still summer, baby. Still summer. They're hitting this. This is the Drop Podcast. We talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulak. What's up, everyone? Hope we had a great week. Welcome back. Uh, we got a big episode for you with an even bigger guest. Uh, our guest this week, you guys asked for him. We brought him in. Director of Golf at Matitacock National, Brent Studer. Uh, Brett is an absolute staple in New Jersey golf, uh, both as a player and as a pro. He's been at Essex Fells, he's been at Manasquan, and now he's at Matitaconk as the director of golf, overseeing everything golf there. We chat with Brent for almost an hour, and it's just an absolutely incredible time. He's got some amazing stories. He's been around golf for forever, it seems like, uh, going back to his high school days. It, it's a really fun interview, so make sure you stick around. You do not want to miss this. I do want to add one quick thing about Brent. As you know, like you said, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to us when we first started this about, oh, you got to get Brent on, you got to get Brent on. I said, okay, we'll work on it, we'll work on it. We put out a poll two weeks ago, who's the one guest that you guys would like to see on it? Overwhelming between the responses and the texts and the DMs was Brent Studer. You asked for it, we delivered it. Enjoy that interview. Absolutely. Mike, I know you and I both did. It was really, we've talked about how some of our interviews are just like, we talked about the college kids being super charismatic and and all that stuff. Brent was just, uh, again, it was just like two guys that were hanging out on the couch, well, three guys hanging out on the couch, uh, just chatting about golf. It was really super casual, super uh, informative, interesting. I I could listen to him talk all day about really anything. He's a he's a really interesting cat, and that was a, an awesome interview. Mike, did you know our polos are on sale? I did. I will say this. They are flying off the rack. And once Chris uh, Fluke Apparel Co. decided to drop the price for his fall sale, those things are hot. And I think, I think this is like back to early on when we first released them and how many people jumped on it. I feel like it's similar to what's going on right now. I know for a fact inventory is low. I know for a fact all the sizes aren't in, but you better get yours now before they all disappear. And like I've said many, many times, you won't be disappointed in what you get. Period. End of story. Go buy it. Go enjoy it. Go wear it. Send us a picture. We'll share it. Tag us. Put them out there. Yeah, they're they're really good. Again, it, as Mike said, inventory's low. We're we're coming down to the end here. It's late September. Polo season's coming to a close quickly. Get them while you can. Mike, another thing I don't know if you're aware of. This is episode 51. 51 straight weeks in a row we've been doing this. 
Next week is 52. Something else I don't know if you're aware of, there are 52 weeks in a year. Next week is one full year that we have put out an episode every Wednesday. I don't care what you say. I think that's a pretty big deal. And currently, you're my longest standing relationship that I've had with anyone in a long time. So I appreciate you being there for me. (laughs) Uh, I can't lie. I'm I'm actually surprised you've hung around with me this long. It's, uh, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, we're going to get into that all next week. But what we want to tell you is check out the Instagram on Monday. We're going to have a giveaway for our 52-week, one-year anniversary. Um, there's going to be a giveaway. Check out the Instagram Monday. Follow the rules. And, and again, just, just a nice little giveaway, something to say thank you to those who have been listening. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Mike, this week's going to be a big professional golf week for us. Corn Ferry Tour, as we've been talking about, we got our guys on there. That's winding down. And there's this little event called the Ryder Cup coming up. It's, it's not very well known, but I really want to make sure that people get word on it and, and they can follow it because it, it's really a nice event. It's really a, a very interesting uh, international competition. So I'm hoping that we can kind of gain some, gain some interest in it. Maybe, maybe bring it a little bigger than it, uh, than it already is. Uh, but before we get to the Ryder cup, let's talk corn Ferry. I mean, our guys are still in it. I mean, all three guys. I mean, I did see that Max, who is at number eight on the points list, clinched his card for next season. So he's a lock. He gets to go play on the PGA tour with the big boys. So he's in, our other two Great guys job, are are in right now with one tournament to go, the Tour Championship. I love how there's a week off. They get to go home, relax, re-energize their bodies, and understand that, like, hey, listen, it's kind of like do or die. And I know Ryan's sitting at number 22. Chris is sitting at number 25. I got to think, I got to think, if they make the cut, they're in. I got to think they make the cut they're in. And I know Ryan is not playing as well as Chris is because Ryan missed the cut again last week. And Chris, you know, got in, I think, by one or two shots off the number. Had played a good final round, um, but I'm sure he was a little disappointed with where he ended up. But they are right there. And it's like one of those things, and like the analogy goes, you can taste it. You're so damn close. It's just like, you're nibbling away, and then you're waiting to take that one big bite, and it's just like, mm. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I can taste it. They're almost there. They really are. And, and I, don't know if, I don't know if it's the combination of this. Maybe it's a better course that we're starting to play, but the winner was only 10 under. Now, only 10 under is, is uh, again, I know that that's playing some golf, but we've seen scores where they've had guys that are 30 under and coming in second place this year. So you look at how good the golf can be. It's, it's a little bit tougher, but, but maybe, and this is where I think we're more at, I think we're at a time in the year where like people are probably tired, probably grinding away, maybe a little injury-ridden, maybe a little sore, but I think the intensity is, is ratcheted up here, and that's, that's part of the reason why. The intensity of, like, this is do-or-die time. 
Like all season, you got time to make it up. There's, there's, this week was two more. Now there's one more event left, and, and you're either going to get in or you're not. And as you said, I, I like to think that it's make the cut and you're in for the rest of our guys. Uh, but, but, you know, we'll have to see what the, what the numbers are. Max is obviously playing some good golf. He finished uh, six, solo six last week. Three rounds in the 60s, uh, four under for the week, and, and he's in. He got, his, he got his notice, so good for him. But uh, Ryan and Chris are, are I don't want to say on the border, but again, I, I'd like to think that, like, make a cut and, and you're good, you're, you know, you're getting in. I would have to think that. So hopefully that's the case. We'll have to see how that falls, but... Uh, Max, congratulations to him and, and all his hard work. And again, now it's like, hey, congrats. Enjoy it for a second. Time to gear up this winter for, for really what you've been looking forward to. And uh, Chris and Ryan, good luck this next week. Obviously, we're rooting for you guys real hard. So keep up the good work. Keep grinding and, uh, and, and make those dreams come true. Couldn't say it any better. I got nothing to add to that. I got nothing. I got nothing to add to that. I mean, I, you said it well. I'm not recycling anything. <laughs> There's no reason. You, put a cherry on top of that. All right. Put the stamp on it. Seal it. Send it. Go get it done. Full send, bro. I do want to. I do want. Well, I do need you to comment on one thing before we dive into the Ryder Cup. Is that your next topic right now? Ryder Cup's going to be the next one. Okay. So before we get into the Ryder Cup. Okay. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up on the podcast, because I think like everybody, you probably watched football yesterday. And I think like the majority of us, we're all on TikTok, We're all on Instagram. We are all over social media. And I'm sure just like a million other people, when I'm scrolling through my TikTok, all I see is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. That's all I see. And I'd be remiss not to ask you, uh, about them and what's your take on this whole thing? Because I feel like everywhere I look, everybody's adding their two cents in. We might as well do the same. <laughs> uh, well, I it was brought to my attention before you actually told me. Someone asked me if I was a Swifty as I'm reposting all of our drop podcasts on like my personal account there. And then I... And then, I was like, no, and, and I go back and look, and I noticed we got a lot of Taylor Swift songs on there. And someone brought it to my attention, and I was like, oh, I guess we do. So I asked you, and you're apparently a big fan of Taylor Swift. I, I like Taylor Swift. I, I wouldn't call myself a Swifty. I don't know all of her story because I'm not big into like that kind of gossip or that, you know, the the re-release of the Red album or any, you know, I, I could just I, I don't know. I'm not even going to pretend like I know because I just I don't know it that well. But I will say, I love the Kelsey brothers. Their podcast is hilarious. Travis Kelsey is is a dude I would love to hang out with. Uh, he just seems like a whole lot of fun. And, and I, I like that he, he shot his shot, sent her a DM, went, like saw her play at Arrowhead, sent her a DM, said, hey, I just watched you rock it out at, at Arrowhead. Now you're going to have to come watch me rock it out 
at Arrowhead sometime during the football season. So she returns the favor in kind. Maybe there's maybe there's some extracurriculars prior to this, but she was sitting with his mom, and I, I you gotta think that they're dating. You, you gotta think there can't there can't be any other way. So uh, it was uh, it was cool to see. I know we talked a little bit about this. I liked it. You know, this is clearly a different kind of guy for her. A little more uh, macho-y, manu- you know, manly kind of guy. It's not, you know, I think the difference between uh, Travis Kelsey and John Mayer are vastly different. So, you know, good for her. Good for him. Good for them. Love what are, I mean, what listen, are your thoughts I mean, listen, on it? <laughs> I, listen, I... I, I think it's great. I love it. Uh, you know, I think it brings more entertainment. And what I loved most about it is I loved when something happened in the game and they obviously Fox is going to pan right to her and her reaction, what's going on. Like, you would have thought her and her mom or her and, and Travis Kelsey's mom were like best friends. Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like this had been going on for well longer than all of us ever realized. 100%. But the, the idea that she's yelling, let's fucking go. Like, how do you not love that? Uh, like, I listen, you may not like her, what she stands for, her music, the whole nine, like, whatever. Like, put that aside. The idea that this chick who is, like, the biggest superstar in the world, and this is the one thing I wish I had gotten for my kids and my wife and myself as tickets to that thing, to any part of her concert, like, my God. The fact that she's yelling, let's fucking go, it's right up my alley because I feel like that's all I ever say is let's go. And the fact that she's pounding on the glass, screaming, hollering, and beating up on your dismal bears, that was like icing on the cake. So I am all in on the New Heights podcast with Jason Kelsey and Travis. I'm all in on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift driving around Missouri after the game on, on Sunday. I'm all in on all of it. So I knew I had to bring it up. I had, we had to talk about it because every single person and their mother is talking about it. And yep. yes, we are adding to that conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the bears are just a doormat so we can, we can leave my bears alone out of here. They're, they're a JV team at best <laughs> right now. And that's uh, that I, I saw, I saw they have a Super Bowl line. They are plus, I think it's plus a hundred thousand to win the Super Bowl this year. Vegas, the Bears, the Bears are, and they're not yeah. even the worst. But Vegas, you know who's worse? The Cardinals were worse, who just beat the undefeated Cowboys yesterday. So again, the scriptwriters for the NFL are doing doing us all a disservice here on what they got. But Vegas, do us all a favor, take that off the board. It ain't happening. Uh. But yeah, it's uh, I I think the Bears. If you're a if you're an NFL player and you got a new a new girl and you're playing the Bears, bring her because there's a good chance you're scoring that week. Uh, and she was acting like like a supportive wife in that, like someone who's into the game. Like she was jumping around, like you said, banging on the banging on there. Like her and mom were talking. This did seem like it's been going on for a little bit longer. So, you know, who knows there, but, but she was certainly into the game and, you know, good, good for them. You know, if, if that's what's happening, she's supportive. He's doing his thing. That's everything's good there. Don't talk about my bears again. 
<laughs> till next week. Till next, yeah, till another loss next. You know what? They got they got the Broncos next week. Zero and three versus zero and three. Yeah. So I it's, can't wait to see the ratings on that game. It's the game of the week next week. Yeah, in your house. W e a k. All County Exteriors is a third-generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business in a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years. All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top-quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior remodeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors, for all your remodeling needs. All right, let's get into the Ryder Cup, Mike. We said we were going to hold off on some things, and and maybe some of these have been kind of overstated or over-talked about or over-whatever. But let's, let's first start here with kind of like at the beginning here. Let's talk about the snubs first. Because, again, I think we were going to talk about that. We decided we were going to do a Ryder Cup episode. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, the, the three big names, Keegan Bradley, Cam Young, Denny McCarthy, are the three, whoa, 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 whoa. three big names that got snubbed. No, no, no. There's I, a fourth. I saw you add a fourth name, and I said the three big names. But I'll, let me preface it this way. Okay. Because I know Bryson just won, and it's very easy to say something about Bryson now because he just won the tournament, even though the picks were made last week or so, so or two weeks ago, whatever the case oh, is. Like, it's, it's like four to, like, weeks ago after, now. It's been a while. Yeah, but, but I will say this. Prior to the picks being made, Bryson did win – out on live, and he shot 58. So, before we say like, oh, he's the fourth guy out, there is some part of me right now that the dude is playing very good golf. And I think he was playing very good golf before they made the picks. And now, he's playing very good golf after the picks. So to me, like, he's got to be included in this conversation of like, Man, we all know Bryson's streaky, but when he's on a good streak, dude's hitting bombs, 384-yard par-4 over the green bombs. Hard to say he's not involved. Who you taking out? But with that being said, I agree with every selection that was made on the U.S. side. Okay. Okay. And I understand the reasoning why about Sam Burns. To me, JT is a lock. I don't care what anybody says. He is a Ryder Cup team 
boys club guy through and through. To me, like you can't not pick Justin Thomas. So I'm discounting that. And if you want to argue that point, I'll, I'll no, gladly I, listen to I, it. Mike, I'm, I'm we don't need to talk about Justin Thomas again because I'm 100% with you. He's at, at, at worst case scenario, he's a great, not good, not, not, oh, he's a nice piece. He's a great teammate, camaraderie, locker room guy who's with his friends. It's only going to bring, I think he's going to be more comfortable with his buddies. Not to mention, he's got a whole bunch of rounds that are high scores, but it's not like he's not getting birdies in those. So the one competition that's going to be tough is in the singles match. But other, other than that, all of them are, you can rely on your, like he's going to either, and, and I think he's better golfer than this, but sure, he could get birdies, birdie, 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 and then get a, and then get a 10 on a hole. But he has the four other birdies that you got to compete with. So he was playing he was playing good golf prior to this except for the blow-ups. And in the Ryder Cup those blow-ups like you could just concede the hole, that's fine. So I think there's I think there's that as well. And and yeah, so we don't need to talk about JT again cuz I'm I'm 100% on board. He was a lock in my opinion for the Ryder Cup. And I go to Sam Burns, and yeah. I know for me, when I look at this list of who got snubbed, Keegan Bradley is the one guy that got snubbed. I'm not in on Cam Young. I'm not in on Denny McCarthy. And I had to look maybe, up who Denny McCarthy was. <laughs> oh, really? No, he's, he, he's a great putter. Um, but, and, and then maybe the Bryson thing after the fact. But the Sam Burns thing to me was probably the one tricky pick, comparatively speaking to Keegan Bradley. Because obviously Keegan made it a point to you know, try to politic his way to get in. He was trying to say the right things. He was jumping on the four-play pod. He was mentioning things to Rappaport. Like, he was doing his thing. But if I'm Scotty Scheffler and I'm the number one player in the world and my best friend who I play very well with in team events is just on the cusp and couldn't create an argument that he deserves to be in, he won the match play this year. Yep. So it's not like he's not... You know, uh, he, he was my guy. If you remember, I picked him for the match play. Yeah. So right. So it's not like he doesn't know that format well. Again, so to me, like I can see the understanding of why Sam Burns is picked. Yep. So to me, like you want to create some controversy with the picks on the American side. Like I don't buy it. I don't see it. And I think this is the best team that we probably could put out there. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Again, I think Keegan is really the only snub. I, I wouldn't have picked Bryson. I think that you just bring in... I think someone like Bryson needs to be playing significantly great golf in order to get himself a captain's pick because he's not that great locker room guy. He's not that. He's not in that boys club with everybody else as much as... JT or Spieth or Scheffler and Burns like he, he's got he has he doesn't do himself any favors in that in that respect I don't think and I think the same thing kind of goes for Keegan and while Keegan tried by like you said going on foreplay doing all the interviews I think he did all the right stuff it's just it doesn't take away from him not how do, you, how do you word it? Like being away from the game or or for so long or just being so long of not in the club that now it's just a last-ditch effort and it, it just it came up short. And 
you know, I like Keegan. Uh, I got to see him play up close at Liberty National. I, I was, I was, you know, I followed him for a bunch of holes. I really liked it. Um, that was, you know, going back now 10 years ago, maybe. But, uh, you know, I think he's had his fall and then his comeback, which is nice. But uh, again, I just don't think, I don't think he brings enough to the locker room. He would have been a guy that needs to be playing significantly better golf to outweigh what he brings to the locker room, which is a nice guy, I'm sure, and a guy that can pal around with, but he's not best friends with these guys, like Jordan and JT are, like Scotty and Sam Burns are. You know, he's not, you know, and then you add Ricky Fowler into that with all the crews, Max Homa being a dude that everyone wants to hang with. Like, you, you got to consider that off-the-course stuff as well to bring in the team camaraderie. Um and, and does that outweigh it? And I don't think it does. And, and I'm with you. I think that Sam Burns was the right pick. I think this is the best team we could have had going forward. And as far as team, uh, you know, an emphasis on team, I think this is the best one the U.S. could throw out there. Totally agree. So now, you know, kind of get away from the, from the picks. Let's, let's, talk, uh, let's talk about the course first, I guess. Maybe you know this. How does how does a course like like Marco uh, was it Marco Simone? How does that get picked in Italy? Because because when I think golf, I don't think Italy. Is it like is it like a bidding process like for the World Cup in soccer? Do you know? I, I legitimately don't know, and I'm asking you if you do. I mean, I, I I all I understand from how courses get chosen is between like the PGA of America and Ryder Cup Europe. They're each their own organization and they just take turns to pick host venues depending on whose turn it is to host it. Right. Whether it's the United States, it's the PGA of America has a major say in it. Mm-hmm. If it's in Europe, the Ryder Cup Europe yeah. organization has a major say in it. Like, I don't really know other than that. Like, like why they pick that why, one. Why, why they pick that one. Yeah. I don't. There's okay. no, I don't think there is a rhyme or reason when it comes to that. I guess formal bids are probably submitted that if you know somebody wants to do it, and then they just end up figuring out. And, and they got to obviously. Do they have the facility? Yeah, the facility, the, venue, the length, the, the venue. infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They got to have probably all that stuff to fit the needs of, A, a shit ton of fans, B, these families, these golfers, their, their entourage, all the club manufacturers that are there, all the fans, like it's not probably something that we could host at our, at our local muni. No. You might want to submit your bid. Charleston Springs could probably host it. They got the two courses that they could divide people out to. But yeah, you're right. I didn't know if you knew officially what it was. I would imagine that there's some kind of vetting problem. I mean, obviously they know that it's coming to Bethpage in a few years. It's they know it far out, so there's obviously a, like a selection process. But I, I don't know what that is. It just kind of seems funny that it's like it doesn't it doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason. It's, I mean, they're just rotating through countries. It was in Paris. It, now it's in Rome. Maybe they're just going to big countries, and that's that's kind of the thing. Oh, but no offense, Rome Rome's not a country. Um, uh, Paris, is not a, pa- Paris is not a country. Big but anyway, cities, like yes, the in Ryder different. Cup, Leah, yes. Let me let me the rephrase Ryder what Cup, I was meaning. Ryder big Cup. cities in different countries is what my I, mind I, was saying, but my words were not coming out quick enough. <laughs> I knew that's what you meant, but I was like, my man is he's, he's definitely mixing up his words right now. But yes, obviously Europe is going to find major cities that can host this major event, 
And it's it's the exact same thing with the United States. And, you know, I think that's kind of where Beth Page Black fits in. I think it's amazing because it is like New York's course. It is like the, the premium public golf course in the, the world. The People's Country Club. Just, yeah, so. Yeah, and I listen, I think, I think Marco Simone is going to be set up just how it was when it went to Paris. It's going to be high rough. It's going to be narrow. It's going to be tight because I think they had extremely good success there. I do. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. I do think the team that America had when they went to Paris is a lot different than what they have this year. They went with all bombers to to Paris in terms of they all bombed the ball. Tiger, Phil, Bryson, and Dustin, they all just, it all fizzled out because they just hit in the rough and they couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Whereas this year's team, not only do I think they're a little more strategic, they're not all bombers of the golf ball. Like they can hit it. But no offense, so can the Europeans. Mm-hmm. Like, John Rahm can push the ball out there. Like, Rory can push the ball out there. So it's not like these guys don't hit it far either. Rory's like, arguably dudes, the best driver of the golf ball on tour. So, like, yeah. Right. So, but, they, so they can't make it, like, just a certain way because it would take some advantage away from some of their own. So it, it'll be a very interesting, interesting setup in terms of what they do there. Yeah, I actually think that in that regard – our teams are very similar between the guys who bomb the ball and the guys who have better short games and the guys who are better putters. I think, uh, I think that there's not a there's not a big distinction between the two teams in the in that regard. Whereas, like like you said, when we had tight, like we were bombing the ball, and and those guys were better wedge players, so we were we lost strokes there. That that's just. I think that's that's what got us. So this team seems, you know, very different. It'd be nice to nice to get two in a row. Uh, was that Whistling Straits you know last, last time, right? And then do you know the last time that we've won in Europe? Do you know the year? Ninety one, ninety. It's early nineties. Uh, I remember hearing the year, but whatever the year the Ryder Cup was, like ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, something like that. 93, yep. Yeah. It's been 30, 30 years. It's a long time, long time. 30 uh, again, years. But, <laughs> but again, I think that if you look back at the history of it, we've gone with obviously the best golfers, right? That's what you want to go over with. That should work. But I think for a, a sport that is normally relied on individual – an event like this and having having a team atmosphere again we mentioned Justin Thomas and having that that camaraderie that locker room that 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 again teamness that this comes with i think it got overlooked for a number of years and hopefully they figured it out for the last couple and kind of went to again what what team europe had for you know for a number of years so hopefully that's the case Kind of back to Marco. Did you see any pictures? Have you done any any reconnaissance on the course? It's a big word for you. It, it's a reconnaissance. That's a four syllable word yeah. right there. I don't get. Yeah, it's I a big word for you. And and the answer is no. I've done absolutely nothing. I'll be tuning in, just like everybody else will be, Friday morning, at one thirty a.m. when it goes off. Yeah, I. Uh... That, that's right about when you wake up, so that's that's perfect for you. Listen, I figure I figure when I'm working out at four o'clock in the morning, 
Boom. It's I'm like I'm like four or five holes in at that point. Yeah, you're you must you you love when it's in Europe because there you go. That's let's right go. in your time period. Listen, let's go. <laughs> I could I could have a live, live Instagram going. I, I didn't I ask I, I didn't deep dive any of the course either. I, I Googled some pictures. I, I looked at you know briefly what's going on on the course. It looks nice. You know, I, I don't I don't know how Again, I didn't really deep dive, so I don't feel like I have the the power to say much about it. It it, it looks fine. I do like the clubhouse. It has that old um, that like European uh, like porcelain roof. What's the like that that roof that's got like the the um, the half cylinders on it. I like that look. It's 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 a cool look. So it's got it's got a nice looking clubhouse. The course looks nice. It'll obviously be in the best shape a course can be in for an event like this. So, um, so we'll see what the what the Europeans do to to trick up the course, so to speak. But uh, but we'll see what happens. Victor Art Golf Cars is New Jersey's premier club car distributor providing sales, service, and rentals to private clients, commercial facilities, and the best courses in the state. As part of Club Cards Black and Gold Elite Program, Victor Rards provides top-tier performance all year long. They offer Club Cards' latest and greatest models, including the new CRU, LSV, and Urban Commercial Utility Vehicle. They are also an authorized dealer of Tumberland low-speed vehicles, which are street legal and come with a plethora of custom accessories and options to stand out from the crowd. Be sure to stop by or give them a call for all your golf cart, small utility, or LSV needs. Saturday, October 14th, between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m., they're having their first annual golf car yard sale, where you can purchase a used electric club car, golf car, for the family at wholesale pricing. There will be different models and colors, so be sure to swing by. Delivery options available if you do not have a trailer. Restrictions apply. All while supplies last. Limit two vehicles per client. Have you ever been to a Ryder Cup? No. I'm not really. A, I haven't been to many events. There's like, sometimes like life events me, or like or like. like PGA Tour golf events? Both, both. I've been to them. I can't say I have not been to them. But there is something about me and how I operate that like sometimes, and I'd say probably more than sometimes, probably 95% of the time, the best seat is on my damn couch. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. So like yeah. going, going to places and I can't always see everything isn't always high on my list. Now, being able to experience something in person, I understand carries a lot different weight because the the, the people, the 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 environment, like I get all that. But I'm sometimes just a very, very introverted person, so I can kind of just deal with my surroundings and control what I can control. Yeah, I uh I think it's a great event. I think it's an event you should go see. I honestly, I'm hard pressed. Can you take March Madness and and say that it's an event when it goes for a month? Like, I don't know if you can take that. Whereas the Ryder Cup is like three straight days. Uh, it it honestly, in my opinion, it might be the best event in sports. Uh, it is, it's amazing. I'm with you that 
more of the time than not, I'd rather be watching the coverage because they do such a good job. I like hearing the analysis of what's going on. Same thing with football. Like If you go to a football game, you go to an NFL game to watch the Bears lose, you're going to to have an experience, to be at the field, to tailgate, to to see a game, but you're not going to be watching a game, if that makes sense. You're going to see players on the field, but you're, you're going to miss the, the intricacies that you can see from, from TV. TV just gives you a better job on that, and it does for the Ryder Cup as well. That said, I went to the Ryder Cup when it was at Medina, out in Illinois, and man, one of the coolest experiences I've had in my entire life was, I think it was the 17th hole, Par three over a pond, 100% carry, and on the on the tee box side was the Americans, and on the green side was the European fans. And as the players are coming up, we're chanting USA, 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 and then we'd pause, and they would do that European soccer thing where they go oh 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 oh. And they're bouncing up and down and like it was like a wave going in the grandstands behind it. And like that's going on while the players are getting ready to hit. It was I got goosebumps just thinking about it again. It was the coolest thing to be a part of. And if you are inclined, it's a you should you should go. It's a great uh it's a great experience. It really was. Obviously, you know, if you could make it to Rome this year, you know, I'm sure you can afford the tickets. But maybe in, in a couple years, uh, try to get tickets when it's, uh, when it's in New York. Uh, let's, get, let's get down to it, Mike. We, we kind of did a little bit of recap here. Let's talk about predictions. What are you thinking? I want you to go first. I want you to go first. Because I asked you the other night, who do you pick? And you said, I'll have to wait to the podcast. So... Knowing that I've asked you first, I think it's I'm more inclined to ask you again on the podcast, who do you have winning so that I can hear your response? Because you never asked for mine. So I don't know if you either A, don't care, or B, you already know who my pick is. I, I, but I'm dying to know who you have I, I I'm a little hurt that you don't know who my pick is. I know who your pick is. Uh I'd be shocked if it's not what I think it is. Uh, and in that way, I guess really I don't care because I, I think I'm, I'm 99% sure I know who you're picking. I'm not going against the USA. I'm going for, for us to, for the first time in 30 years, break the cycle, win on foreign soil, back-to-backs for the first time in maybe even longer than that. I don't know when, the, when that occurred, but... That's my, uh, that's my thinking. I think the captains are great. Uh, I, Zach Johnson is just, like, we've talked about it, a Masters and a U.S. Open, a British Open at St. Andrews. Is that something I could interest you in? It's a pretty good resume. Uh, Steve Stricker, Davis Love, Jim Furyk, Freddie Boom Boom. Like, I, I just think you got... You got guys there, and I guess I should mention the last one, Stuart Sink. But, but you, got, you got a great group of captains there. You have an unbelievable team that is, uh, as I've mentioned now 47 times already, the camaraderie, the friendship on and off the course. I think these guys play well together. I think they play, uh, they have um, 
not contradictory, corresponding um, parts to their game that you can put these guys together in. You, you put guys like Jordan and Justin together, like you just like watching that because it's like two friends going out and playing golf. It's like you and I going to play and then it's, and then they're doing it on a professional level. You know, it's just, it's cool to see as well. The formats are awesome because you don't always see them. And, and I think that, I think that our guys again have, have complementary skills in all that. And I don't know if you know this, I'm American. So of course I'm going to root for the Americans. You don't have Ryan Redcoat here. Well, you have Mike Redcoat. Oh! I, I think... Oh, Michael, 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 Michael. I know that this is controversial, and I know that it's going against the green, and you're going against everybody at home. But when you dive deep into the data, into the numbers, which, again, I obviously am, 30 years is a long time since winning over in Europe. Mm -hmm. And then when you dive deeper into what 30 years looks like. So we're due. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that, but you probably would have said that the past million other times that you did it. But in the past five times that it was there, the scores except one time legitimately haven't been close. Haven't been close. And I don't know if that's because the fans over there, I don't know if it's because the course setup. Because every time you look at it, 2018, Europe won by seven points. You go to 2014, they won by five points. The one time it was close, 2010, they won by one. In 2006, they won by nine points. Is this, is this the same team that played in 2010? It doesn't matter. It's proven that it doesn't matter what team it is. That every time that it goes over there, the Europeans find a way to get it done. And I'm going to continue to buck that trend and I'm backing it right now, and I'm going to say that the superstar of this Ryder Cup is a major coming-out party for Ludwig Ludwig Aberg. Lock it up, sign it, seal it. Former Texas Tech guy that's good buddies with our friend Jack Wall, Mm -hmm. but I just think that Ludwig comes out, he gets the job done, plays unbelievable golf, and Europe finds a way to get it done in Rome, while eating their pizza with a knife and fork. Oh, that is uh, honestly shocking news. And and I'll I'll ask you this. I love Rory. I love Rombo. Maddie Fitz, how can you not like him? And I think Shane Lowry is my spirit animal. Yeah, I mean, but we could go on the list. How, no, how oh, hold Hovland? on, hold on. But right, Victor Hovland's great. But do you trust... Tyrrell Hatton, not Terrell, Tyrrell Hatton. Anyone who pronounces his name like that, I don't trust. Sepp Straka, don't trust him. Sepp Straka is basically an American. Right. Guy. You he listen played, to him. He's got a Southern him, yeah. accent. Right. So, so to like, me, like, I'm not so, uh, out of it. They have more guys that I don't trust than on the American side. And that's why, so and that's why I picked the, the Americans. Because... Because I if, trust if, if, more of our guys. I trust JT. I trust Jordan. I trust Scotty, Xander. Right? Uh, honestly, the, the, the guy that I probably trust the least on the Americans won the British Open this year. Where's the British Open held? I'm sorry. The Open Championship. Where's that held? 
Europe. And he's the guy that I trust the least. So I think we're deeper. You could, if you wanted to argue with me, I don't know how hard I'd argue that like Rory and Rom are two, are one and two, and then are our one and twos. You certainly could, but I think that we have a deeper team all around. Listen, if Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon don't win majors, they're not even in this conversation. So I look at those two guys specifically, and maybe I might be eating my words next week. I look at them as one-hit wonders, where that one artist puts out that one favorite summer song, and then you never hear of them again. Still summer, baby! Still summer. They're hitting this. That's... That's who I feel like those two are. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no I, don't dis- I don't disagree there, but I think their one hit is this year. The whole year they're playing well. The, the, right. the so hit I, is I'm this. I'm not buying it. But then I, if I, then I say, okay, Justin, Jordan Spieth is preoccupied. He just had a second baby. He's, his mind is elsewhere. He's not really into it. No offense. As much as I agree with Justin Thomas being on the team, really hasn't played that well all year. Brooks is over at Live, just kind of getting mullets left and right, like not really caring what goes on. He's living the life. Like Ricky, like, okay, the resurgence of Ricky. I know he's your boy. You love him. Great. Okay. Xander's never won anything big. Sam Burns, I get it, won the match play. Like, is it Olympics? Scotty, me, is it is Olympics like, not big? Yeah, listen, it's not because they, it's like he's not the cream of the crop all the time. Like the big name guys. I mean, frankly, Tiger didn't even play in it when they had, when they had it. So to me, it's like if anybody's representing USA. Tiger should, was Tiger definitely injured. Win. Right, whatever. Anyway, Scotty's the only one at the end of the day that, like, okay, he can flat out golf his ball. But to me, and he doesn't even stand on the ground. He's so good, he hovers when he hits the ball. You think about the European side, like, don't tell me there's a hotter golfer right now than Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland. Hotter golfer right now? No, I'm not trying to argue that. I'm saying our guys are deeper. We have a deeper team, is what I would say. Listen, when Europe wins again, and I'm coming on this podcast, and I got a European hat. Let's bet a round of golf. A round of golf on the other person. If Europe wins, next time we play, I pick up your tab. You, if USA wins, I pick up the tab next time we play golf. Deal? Perfect. Sounds good. I'm in. Love it. Never had an easier win. I, I like that. We'll take that. That'll be a good time. I, I'll tell you what, it would just be a time where you and I get to play some golf together, which doesn't happen all that often. So that's a good, no, that's I, a good thing I, to happen. It's even better when you pay for it. <laughs> uh, all right. So guys, that's our, that's our wrap up, right? I'm, I'm team USA. Mike is team Europe for some reason. And, uh, and that's that. All right. We're going to check back next week. Episode 52 one year anniversary next week so again if you're if you're a part-time listener a some of the time listener make sure you're checking us out next week uh for our one year it's going to be a big episode we'll have some rider cup stuff we'll do some some one year stuff that we have giveaway coming out on monday check out the instagram stay tuned we got brent studer director of golf matita conk national coming on next You're going to enjoy this interview. See you next week. George Wall Ford in Red Bank, New Jersey is family owned and operated, proudly serving New Jersey residents with superior customer service since 1960. George Wall Ford is a 23-time President's Award winning store, the most prestigious customer satisfaction award a Ford dealer can receive. 
Stop in the showroom today to see their surplus of different cars, SUVs, trucks, and more. Or visit them at www.georgewall.com. There isn't a better place to shop. Just call 732-704-1932. And as for Jeremy Wall, George Wall Ford and Red Bank for all your car buying needs. So today's guest is one that I know everybody knows. And I think is one of those people that people have been saying to me, Mike, you got to get this guy on. You got to get this guy on. The stories that he could share are incredible. So since we're a man of the people, you know, today's guest is the director of golf at Matita Conk National, Brent Studer. Brent, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, Brent, excited to have you. Thank you. So, Pro, listen, I can't lie. When we have all these different people on and we're talking to them, um, one of the things everybody keeps telling me is you got to get Brent Studer on. You got to get Brent Studer on because, you know, the stories that Brent can share. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. I don't know when I'm going to make it happen. But it's kind of fitting that our one-year anniversary of being a podcast, we've next week would be 52 straight Wednesdays of putting out an episode and you're on here on our 51st week. So I think this has kind of come full circle for what a lot of the audience has asked for. Um, so it's a privilege of ours to have a guy like you on here to, to talk for a few minutes. But before we get into storytelling time, you know, why don't you give the audience a little bit of a background of you? Like kind of like, you know, where you started, kind of, you know, through your days at Manasquan to, to Matita Conk to where you are now? Well, first of all, I'm honored to be on the show and congratulations to all the success you guys have had. Um, it's really cool from a golf pro standpoint to see the history and, you know, amateur pro side, both sides, and uh, just to be able to share it. And I applaud you and I, and I highly recommend you go after some of the guys I might mention today um, that are older than me, if you can believe it. And I might even be able to share a little bit more history on New Jersey golf. So uh, with that being said, um, I was born in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We won't count that. We're just going to, we year old, we moved right to Howell, New Jersey. So, um, you know, grew up going to the Manasquan Beach and the Point Pleasant Beach, Seaside Heights, all that stuff. A lot of fun. Uh, moved out to Hillsborough in, I can't remember the year, but I was about 10 years old. And uh, that's where I got my first intro into golf. We lived across the street from the Hillsborough Golf Club, a little public course. And uh, I remember walking up there one day, walking onto the range and having some old guy yell at me. And all I was trying to do was, you know, kind of figure out if I could pick some golf balls and maybe hit some balls, something like that. So he took me under his wing, gave me a golf lesson. His name was Frank O'Brien. He was a really, really good player. Long hitter, um, you know, 1950s, 60s type pro. A really good guy. Um, we stayed there a couple of years, moved out to Flemington. And then we joined Copper Hill Country Club when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Uh, when I was there, a gentleman by the name of Michael Amorelli, one of the really old time pros in the state of New Jersey. Uh, he took me under his wing. He hired me at 13. At the same year, he hired Bobby Nicholson, the head pro. Uh, Mike was 59 at the time. And I don't know how old Bobby Nicholson was, but 30 years later, he retired retired Bobby 
and uh, and then continued on another 10 or 15 years. Mike lived to 98. One of the coolest, literally coolest, nicest human beings, high quality pro, um, knew everybody all the way back to the days of Vic Gezzi and, and you know, uh, he, he was actually was on um, Ben Hogan's staff with the Ben Hogan company and uh, played golf with Dow Finsterwald and all those. And I remember the stories. It was amazing. So he was my first intro into the work side of business. I was working in the pro shop. I was picking the range. I was doing carts. I was driving cars, valet at 15 years old. Um, you know, crazy stuff. But I got a, a true understanding of the business. And that's where I fell in love with it at Copper Hill Country Club. Really cool stuff. Uh, from there, I went to school in Miami of Ohio, uh, 83 to 87 after 100 and Central, and came out, played the South African Tour and the Florida Mini Tours for a year. That was 87, 88. And then in 89, I got my big break in golf, and I went to work for Essex Fells Country Club under Russ Helwig. And Russ probably is known in the circles as one of the greatest pros ever to come through Jersey in his mentorship and his ability to lead a golf club, just kind of in every possible way. I'm actually getting a little emotional talking about him because he's such a good guy. Um, and I was very fortunate to work for him and uh, just, you know, going through this history is pretty cool. From there uh, in 93, I got my first job at Manasquan river and worked there for 22 years and then the last nine over at Matita Conk. All great experiences, all wonderful memberships. Um, made a ton of great, great friendships and met a lot of people. And uh, so here we stand today. Brett, I'd like to jump into where you kind of ended there at your time at Manasquan. Sure. Uh, I'm sure I got my, my first opportunity to play over there a couple weeks ago. Um, Chris was nice enough to have us out. It was an incredible day. The course is the course is pristine. It's really a phenomenal place. But I think uh, in all your time there, you it seems like you made only one really bad decision, and that's hiring Mike Poro as one of your caddies. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I like the way you said it, though. Uh, Mike's been Mike's family's been uh, longstanding members of the club. I remember his grandfather very well, Larry Poro. Um, played in many programs with him. Um, Jimmy and Jerry played with, you know, played with those guys a million times, golf trips. Uh, the Poro family goes way back to Manasquan, so big part of their heritage. So I, I, I'm even more excited about being here with you guys today because of that. That is great. And, and I will say that um, Mike has talked so highly of, of you and Brent Studer's name has gone gone around, not necessarily on the podcast, but via text messages. There's a lot of respect going that way as well for you. Thank you. So, I mean, Pro, obviously you're, you're playing good golf right now as well. And, and I know that, you know, things may be a little banged up in some aspects, but you did play very well at the senior match play in early August. You got a little W. Like, kind of how are you feeling physically and, and how's your game these days? Uh, anybody listening to this is going to laugh when I tell them about all my injuries and because that's all I do is walk around and complain until I figure it out and then get another W. But uh, I really have been a little little chopped up. I mean, my back, my thumb. I had thumb surgery 17 years ago. Um, HSS, um, this gentleman, Dr. Weiland, really fixed me up good. And uh, and now all of a sudden, 17 years later, it's starting to hurt a little bit. I am you know, had to drop out of a couple of events this year, uh, a couple of back issues. But bottom line is, you know, I'm pushing 60. So it is what it is. I mean... 
you know, you, you kick off balls for 50 years and play in all these tournaments and play golf with the members. And, you know, you do so much repetitive action that eventually it's going to get you. So kind of had to reinvent my swing a few times. And I was fortunate enough in the match play to make a few putts and get a few breaks. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy that I got another, I wasn't sure I was ever going to win, win again. So, um, I was, ex I was beyond excited. So good stuff. Do you, do you feel like that one, um, and I don't mean to be doom and gloom here, but as you said, pushing 60 and getting this win, did you feel like this might be the last one for you? That like, yeah, did I mean, that make it a little extra special? Did that cross your mind at all? Or it, it made it extra special because I had to drop out of three or four tournaments this year. I couldn't even play. So to even come back and, you know, I was just happy to be teeing it up that week. And then all of a sudden it just kind of fell in place and I took it easy and didn't swing hard. And, you know, it, it worked out nice. <laughs> What a simple game. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the golf guys are smiling at you. Yeah. You know? So, Pro, I think one of the cool things about you in terms of like, you know, obviously I kind of like to do a little research before I hop on here. But, you know, I think when you came over to Manasquan in 93, you know, I still remember the article in the Asbury Park Press about how you qualified for the United States Open that year at Oakmont. You know, it's something for whatever reason just kind of stands out in my mind. And then I also thought it was kind of cool that like, once you kind of made the transition to Matitaconk, you know, this same year on your first try, you go and qualify for the United States Senior Open. Like, I think those are two pretty remarkable feats when you step back and look at things and say, like, wow, in such a big transition of, like, your career, your job, like, kind of what pays the bills, still being able to compete at that, that level. Like, what were those two experiences like? So that's interesting you say that because I'm a big believer and what's going on in your life transpires in whatever you do. So, you know, I, I think getting my first job, I remember winning the assistant championship in New Jersey. And that was my first major. In my mind, it was a major. It was a 72-hole tournament. Played really well at Hollywood. Um, and had the interview the following week and got the job. And I think that was a big part of it. And then I went immediately, got the job, and went on to qualify for the uh, U.S. Open at Oakmont. And, um, and then fast forward 22 years later, uh, I had no intentions of leaving Manasquan. It was just a the opportunity came up and really unbelievable practice facility. Great place to, I don't know, go to another level in teaching and do something a little different in my career. Uh, so I get there and I kind of reinvent myself and I was starting to hit more golf balls and, and all of a sudden, you know, just with that whole same concept, came i don't know my game just got a little bit better and i just went right after it and I, I played in that tournament and then i think i won the senior pga the following year and the senior match play the following year um won the regular pga the same year i won the senior pga uh so it was like where did this come from like i felt like i was back you know it was, it was amazing all based on exactly what you just said i just think i was pumped and i was it was time to kind of prove myself again and it and it worked, you know. It was it was the right time, right place. So very fortunate. I got so obviously, you know, having similar connections, you and I, and knowing a lot of the same people. I started reaching out to some guys, and I said, you know, listen, I got I got Studer coming on today. <laughs> you know, give me something that's you know podcast appropriate. Um, 
and I got some things that may have may, may borderline like inappropriate appropriate. So I'm going to stay away from them um, because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Okay, but I will say that I talked to Gaffney extensively okay. about some things. Um, but I think the, when I think about like your like your tree and your branch of all the unbelievable assistants that worked under you. I think that's got to be another thing, if not probably one of the biggest things that you, you know, hold your hat on and say like, I've been able to impact so many people. And I mean, you and I could go through the names of Vince Junko and, and Brad Olson and, and Brian Gaffney and Chris Dimmick. Like we could probably keep just rattling names off. It's like the, the Bill Parcells coaching tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, I feel like that's got to mean a lot to you. It's, it's, 100%. So you obviously did your research. I, I think most golf pros want to believe that their playing career really matters. The honest truth is it doesn't. It's how you treat your membership. It's how you treat your employees, what you do for mentoring and teaching and, and, uh, and trying to help other people. That's by far what I'm most proud of. It's not that I'm not proud of my wins. I am big time, but honestly, I mean, between Brad Olson and, and Pasternak and Mike Kerner and Adam Mahala getting the job at Somerset Hills at a young age, and the list goes on and on. Brad Summonick, general manager. I mean, I've got two – I think three guys now that worked for me that are all general managers in the golf business. So I could also list a couple of things I'm, I'm equally as proud of, guys that I sort of convinced that the golf business wasn't right for them. I had a currency trader, Billy Schneider. Um, I moved John Helm into the food industry, and he's doing extremely well with Jersey Mike subs. And, you know, all those kind of things, they mean way more to me than anything I ever did on my own in golf. You know, the awards, like my wife working in the shop all those years, right, and getting merchandise a year. That wasn't me. That was her, I mean, in a big way. So though, you're you're spot on when you say, um, how important that kind of stuff was to me. And, and, and I appreciate you bringing it up. I think, I think that goes to your point, which you kind of started with. Uh, and I forget the gentleman's name, but you said he's in the circles of how he treated memberships, the guy from, from Essex Fells. Yeah, Russ Helwick. Russ Helwick. Russ Helwick, right? And I think that by you mentioning him early in the pod, that, that, shows, that tells me how much that part of being a golf pro means to you. And then in turn – all this, all these branches that you have off yours, that's a very meaningful point to you. And, and um, having such great guys that, that, again, Mike mentioned five guys, you mentioned 10 other different guys. Like, that just goes to show that, that good people breed other good people. And that's clearly what you've done in the golf industry. You're, you're right on there. You're right on. And, and I do give a lot of credit to Russ Hogan. I really do. And Mike Amorelli and Bobby Nicholson, who was, you know, all, they were all three big-time mentors. And then pro, like obviously outside of golf as well, like a lot of the guys that I reached out to said other things along lines of like, not only is, is Brent a very good golfer, you know, handles that industry well, but like even outside of golf, you've been a very successful person. Like, what would you say to a, a younger kid, you know, mid twenties looking to get into this field like what is what's some advice as as I like to always quote like a wise old wise old owl like what would you say to that guy or even young lady for that matter so 
Boy, it's a big subject. Um, I'll see if I can pare it down to a reasonable amount of time. Um, no, nah, listen, we got all the time you need, pal. <laughs> so, so generationally speaking, the golf industry was incredibly difficult. If you didn't have a passion and you weren't in love with the business, it was not right for you. And there was no way you were going to burn out 17-hour days day after day after day when you're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old and last. Right. That's that's not how we operate today. Back in my day in the 70s, there was no child labor laws and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they were killing us, but we loved every minute of it. You know, as long as they gave us a beer at the end of the day, at 1030 at night after we closed up the, the bag room, you know, <laughs> we were good with it. It's, so, it's amazing how how so little can go such a long way. <laughs> exactly. Trust me. I remember those days. Like I yesterday. would like one single beer after my 14 hour shift, please. <laughs> it was great. And maybe, maybe or maybe not, we were underage. I can't remember. But uh, in any case, um, going forward, the good news is that doesn't happen anymore, right? So it's more, and it might be not just the golf business, it might be the world in general, um, work-life balance. And so I would say getting into this business, expect work-life balance. That's a big deal. You know, I, I don't think they want to burn people out. I think they want you to have just as much fun in your family life as you do in your work life. Um, so I would say look forward to that. I would say on the financial side, you're never going to get rich being a golf pro. So understand that right out of the box and really pay attention. Um, there are things in place now that were not in place back then. Golf Retirement Plus, right? Everybody you do business with will put a little tiny bit of money away for you in the long run. Your club does 401ks now that they never used to do back then. Um, there's all ways to put pennies away and dollars away over a long period of time um, and you know, the investment gurus like Warren Buffett and those guys, they, they've proven over and over and over that that money put away early goes a long way, 35, 40, 45 years later, it doubles, triples, and it just keeps going and going and going. So, um, I think that's an important aspect that's overlooked sometimes. So it's not that you're going to earn a lot of money up front, but you can with, you know, with the help of the PGA and, and your club, you can actually do very well for yourself nowadays and then the third and final thing i would say is it's great that you're a player it's great that you're a teacher it's great that you're an unbelievable merchandiser i i totally get it and i applaud it but never forget that you're there for the member and their guest to have an enjoyable day at the club that's the whole deal in a nutshell anything outside of that is great that's some good advice, re yeah. regardless of what profession you're right. in, dead honest with you. I kind of want to go into the, the work-life balance, because we've talked to pros on here and, and even, you know, talking off-air uh, to, to some different ones where, like, the summertime is just, you know, I, we talked to one who mentioned that his, his wife is a single mother between uh, Memorial Day and Labor Day because he's right. so busy at the, at the club with, you know, putting on, on events yep. almost every day of the week. Yep. How important is a membership in supporting a pro so that they can have that work-life balance? Oh, my God, it's critical. I mean, you know, I was always very fortunate at Essex Fells and Manasquan and Copper Hill and, and now Matitakonk. Um, we have a, I've always been lucky to have a high IQ golf membership. And they understood how difficult it was. They understood how complicated it was to run tournaments. And I remember we were doing scoreboards at night till three o'clock in the morning 
because we didn't have computers pumping out the scoreboards and scorecards and dotting. I mean, I remember waking up in the middle of the night seeing dots. I mean, it was just crazy, the stuff that we used to have to go through. So, I mean, it's really, it's amazing how far the business has come. Um, so that being said, you have to align yourself with a club that understands that and is willing to say it's okay that the pro's not here on his Mondays off. And it's okay that the pro takes Sunday afternoon off to be with his kids and go to the soccer game or whatever. If you don't have a membership like that, something's not right. Something's not right. Either the club is not educated correctly or you're, you're, you're going too far above and beyond and you get out of work-life balance and, and that's not healthy either. And naturally, if, if, if you keep giving, if you keep bending over backwards, people are going to keep pushing you backwards. And eventually Correct. you're going to be doing a handstand and, and the club's just going to expect you to be doing handstands then. 100%. And you always have to keep in mind, it's just golf. I tell the young guys that all the time. Listen, work as hard as you can, treat the members as well as you can. But in the end, when the, you know, shit hits the fan, it's just golf. It's not somebody's health. It's not their finance. It's not their children. It's not, it's just golf. It's okay. Like, you know, and then once the members get educated on that and they understand it and they believe in you as a leader, they're fine with that. Trust me. They, they don't have any issues with that. So another person I reached out to told me, I need to ask you about what the number 42 <laughs> signifies. Oh boy. And I, and I said, I said, well, listen, is saying number 42 appropriate? And they said, yes, just say, I need to know what the number 42 means to you. I have to tell you, I've been asked to ask that question. That is so funny. Um, all right. It's a, it's a really long story and I'm going to make it really short. So I don't know why I have absolutely no idea how this number started just entering my brain and my vision and everyone I'm talking was about 13 years old, 14 years old, sitting in class, the numbers coming up everywhere. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. The number is haunting me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I just don't understand. I couldn't figure it out. So I just keep paying attention to it. I'm like, all right, whatever. And all of a sudden in class, I'll never forget this. I was my head leaning against the wall, thinking about getting to the golf course because I didn't want to be at school. And, uh, this kid stands up in the middle of class who I'd never seen before. It was some kind of trivia day. He stands up and says, they put these supercomputers together in Princeton University, blah, blah, blah. And they asked it the meaning of life. And it spit out the number 42. I jumped out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I've never seen this guy before. What, how's that possible? And fast forward, it, it, it ended my, my, uh, I met a, I met a person through Manasquan River who this is crazy sees the dead and 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 actually has relationships with people who have passed on and she was with me one day and said i see somebody sitting next to you it looks like somebody sports blah 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 looks like you could be your uncle and one of my uncles was a heisman trophy winner dick kazmaier my mom is janice kazmaier so Whoa. sure enough we go online and we look at it and he's the only number 42 to ever win the heisman trophy out of Princeton, like 1950s. So I was freaking out. Now I'm saying, all right, this is this is too out of control. So <laughs> I had no idea what to do at that point. So long story short, I just said, I can't take it anymore. I started sharing the story with everybody. I offloaded it as much as I could. And now anybody around me, they see the number all the time. 
So someday we'll all figure out what it means. Right now, I have no idea. But I could tell you a million stories where that number pops. I won a lottery, 42-42 in New Jersey. My dad sent me down. We're getting a haircut. And he's like, go down and pick out a lottery, kid. So I went in. I, of course, I go 42-42. I give it to him. I go back to college. He sends me 1,000 cash. We probably won 10,000. But he sent me 1,000. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that works. <laughs> crazy. Oh, that's so incredible. that's the story behind that. Uh, there's no, no real secret to it. It's just crazy. And like, so the number 42 having this much, you know, I guess just reverence for the number. Yep. When you play golf, do you write it on the golf ball? Nah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to offload nah. it. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I know, but it sounds like it's a pretty damn lucky number. I might just start writing 42 on it. I have nothing to do with the you. The problem is you might shoot 42. You don't want that uh, number. Hold on. I'll sign up for Fair 42. I'll, you can sign Ryan, me up. For, that's, eight, that's 84. I'll sign up for that all day. Don, you it <laughs> it's all yours, buddy. It's all yours. Uh, so, so, Pro, I think when you think back to your days, and, and you know, at Manasquan River, you spent over 20 years there, yep. and, and now you're, you know, at, at Matita Conk. Like, what's a story or two from your days at Manasquan that stand out that were just like, you know what, no matter what happens in life, like, I'll never forget that. You know, whether it's something that you did or a member accomplished or someone showed up, like, what's something throughout your years there is like a story that you just always go back to? Oh, God, Mike, there's so many. I, it's it's frightening. Um, I, I, w- I would rather put it in the in the realm of, people and experiences as opposed to one single story like just i mean unbelievable how how lucky i was to have a membership with players like bob hausen and jerry barnett and uh mr hansen um these guys were really really high quality national level players uh you know and just getting to go out and play golf with them all the time was amazing i I never forget my first day at the club it might have been my second day at the club. Um, Bob comes up to me and says, come on, we're going to go play the back nine. And it was him and and it was uh, Jerry Barnett. And I think it might have been um, Hanson. I'm not sure. I can't remember who the f- fourth was. And these guys pounded me into the earth. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. They were making so many birdies. It's like, all right, this is your intro to the club, bro. So... The next time we played, which was like a week later, I'm like, that's it. Game on. So I went out. I, I don't know what I shot, but I think it was like five under on the front and two or three under on the back. And I laid the hammer down on him and I said, all right, now now it's payback time. And uh, I'll never forget that. I was like, wow, these guys are legit. You know, it wasn't it wasn't just coming into, a, a you know, a two or three handicap. These guys could play real golf. So, I mean, you know. That was that will always be a huge memory. Not just that story, but just being around those guys all the time, traveling with them, playing in pro members at uh, Pine Valley with Bob Housen and watching him hit phenomenal iron shots. One year I carried him. Next year he carried me. You know, stuff like that. Just priceless stuff. I mean, history of the game. Yeah, so. I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, when we talked to Chris a couple weeks ago when he was on the podcast is, that's the one thing about Manasquan River is I always thought, like, obviously it's a golf-first country club. There's yep. no other amenities that go there. So you either love golf and that's why you're there yep. um, or you're kind of born into it. But even to this day, probably even, you know, maybe like during your time as well, like 
they're all very good golfers. Like we could list name upon name that is constantly competing in some state or national tournament. Like they, they're golfers. And I think that's to your point about some of the stories there. No question. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, you look at Baltusrol, they have a lot of single digits. You look at a couple of the clubs in New Jersey, Pine Valley has a lot of single digits. That's understandable. Manuswan's sort of under the radar and have had and has a ton of single digits. You know, really good players that understand the game. And I actually think that's credit to the golf course. Maybe a little bit Robert White. You know, I, I mean, I'm just starting to get into architecture a little bit. And his design causes you to play every shot in the bag. There is no way you can go around there and hit every shot the same. You're on a side hill. You're on an uphill. You know, you got to bring it in right to left. You got to bring it in left to right. So maybe the golf course, I mean, you look at the wall boys and you look at all the good players that have come through there, right? They all just started in the junior clinic and just playing golf. But I think you play that golf course every day. You learn how to play golf. So I'm going to attribute some of it to the golf course itself. I really do. I think that's 100% true because it's also – you have two different golf courses there, really, with exactly. going up into the woods, and it's it's much more hilly, and as you said, with the undulations and no flat lies, and then you kind of get to, you know, even tens, you know, ten, really, you get to 11 is really, the, you kind of make a turn, you get yep. kind of a little bit linksy style, so you get you get used to playing the the two versions of golf as well. That There's no doubt there that, you, that that's a big attributing factor. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it has a lot to do with the golf course. And also, Manasquan and the membership have embraced, you know, old school traditions. They 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 love the concept of playing golf and, um, you know, kind of supporting all the pros and supporting junior golf and supporting amateur golf and supporting Christian athletes and supporting them. I mean, they're, they're an amazing place. So I'm not, you know, I just remember all of it, and and I and I kudos to them, by the way. Yeah, which kind of leads to where you are now. Yep. Right now, obviously, as you know, you transition from you know basically the head golf professional to you know more of a director of golf role there at Matita Conk. You know, what's something in in your eight nine years there that has stood out as like, you know, maybe not like better than Manasquan, but maybe different in terms of like some memory that you may have because I think when you compare the golf courses, they are drastically different. That I in my opinion, I, I think they are. I mean, I think Matita Conk, I always say this about that place is if if you're not playing good golf, that place will eat you alive. I think there's a little more aesthetically pleasing views at Manasquan. But obviously when you're talking about the range, it's clearly second to none. But what's something for your from your perspective since you see it way more often than we do? So they're incredibly different properties and they're two completely different styles of golf. Classic golf is 1900s, early 1900s, and it's every shot in the book. And it's, you know, very um, straightforward and aesthetically pleasing. And then modern golf is a little tricked up, a little more deceptive. Um, you know, a little bit different angles, a little more contours, uh, funky tee boxes, uh, just a completely different style of golf. So from that perspective, it's a completely different club. The membership is very golf driven. So in that respect, it's there's a lot of similarities. I have actually a lot of dual members that are members of both places. So 
from that perspective, I mean, it's all about the golf. It's all about supporting the game. It's all about giving back. It's all about, you know, making the place as good as you can make it and making it golf first and everything else second. Um, but then you go to the practice facility and you say, okay, there's now let's go back to the opposite direction. Now it's completely different. You know, the old school clubs didn't have practice facilities. They had warm-up ranges. Just go hit three shots and go to the tee. Where the new generation, the modern golf courses, it's all about the practice facility, the learning center, um, you know, short game areas, uh, huge putting greens, uh, entertainment areas like par three courses and and huge putting concepts where you go up and down these hills. Uh, so in that respect, that checks all the boxes for the modern facility, um, you know, with with a classic membership. So I kind of got the best of both there. I mean, really, it's really a cool place and it's just so different. And to end my career over there versus at Manasquan, um, it was just a nice change at the right time in my life. I, you know, I had no desire to leave Manasquan whatsoever. It just, to me, it was like the right timing and it was try something new and see if we can elevate this place. And, you know, I think we've done a good job in, uh, in making the golf course better and more playable through Ray Hearn, our architect. And uh, the practice facility, adding the four bay learning center and the fitting system. And hopefully we get these these new uh, 16 bedrooms up by the clubhouse and then off to the final step, which is uh, we're trying to push for maybe three par three holes, maybe nine par three holes, depending. Um, you know, so I've just loved to witness the progress and be part of the progress, which was very different. A mass one, it is what it is. You're, you're set in your ways and. You know, there's really no room to create a bigger golf course or a different practice area or any of that stuff. And I applaud them for what they've done. They've done a great job um, on the golf course. But so this was just a whole different avenue. And that's really how I compare the two. So, I mean, you were at Maniscon 20 years <clears throat> before. Yep. What was it in going to Matita Conk? that as you said you didn't want to leave but there was just kind of the right timing and was it this new challenge that you wanted at this time of your life or was there anything more than that no that that was it i mean that was the bottom line was i i looked at that range and i wanted to push my teaching end of of my career as, far, as hard as i could i wanted to learn more about that part of it and i i, I looked at that range and i was like holy cow this is it can't get much better than this and then you know, in the nine years, it actually has gotten better, believe it or not, you know, just <laughs> now learning the numbers and the track man and, and watching the members use the track man and educating them on how to use it. Uh, it, it just felt it, it, it was exactly what I was hoping for. You know, I took a leap of faith and it turned out to be exactly what I was hoping for, which was just a little different direction than where I'd spent the last 22 years, you know, which was more of a blend, which was more of a little bit of everything. Tournament, right. tournament operations and merchandising and, you know, uh, junior clinics and family golf and all that stuff. So, it was, you know, it's just a slightly different avenue. That's all. So the, this Mike might know this answer. Obviously, uh, Chris has been there for a while and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere yep. from Manasquan. I know you were there for a long time. Uh, I don't think they had a ton of pros. Oh, so you had no. you had John Caffone in the beginning, Jack okay. Beckett, John Caffone, uh, Wayne Warms. And then me. So you had four right. guys. You literally had four guys over the span since 1920. So that's that's yeah, that's where and I was Chris going. Chris is five, and Chris yeah. is and five. Then, so and you... then Chris is number five. Yeah. 
So you have this, uh, this place where like people don't ever want to leave it. I can only imagine how tough that decision was for you with having this new opportunity, but also this place that clearly people love to be at. It was beyond challenging that, that decision to make that decision. It was many hours with a lot of people, uh, with my wife, my kids, everybody. Um, and honestly, it all came down to the fact that I had so many dual members that it made the transition kind of easy. I didn't feel like I was really leaving. I felt like I was extending and, and kind of moving to a place where I could still keep in touch with everybody. I can have members over and play golf. I can, you know, I, I still see them in town. I live in Manasquan. I still see them in town in the restaurants. So it didn't feel like I was leaving. Felt like I was just going to a, just another step. I don't know in, in the overall career. Gotcha. I mean, that's a great way to put it, it which is. then kind of also gets to having the corn Ferry tour out at your place this year. I mean, you know, I, I think when we saw that announcement, it was like, wow, you know, of all the places in our area to probably hold uh, a big time event, more or less, that is the spot where you're at now, because I'm sure, you know, maybe minus the, the local guys between Chris and Jack and Ryan McCormick and maybe maybe even Max Greisman to an extent, but like they probably never seen a range through and through like that. I mean, what was that tournament like for, for you hosting that thing? So every, every single player I talked to was blown away. They would like to have a facility like that every week to hone their game, to work on the track man, to work on their short game, to have a real big tournament challenge type golf course. Um, you know, I, I would honestly say it was a complete home run for us. And they were very complimentary of the staff. They were very complimentary of the golf course and everything that happened that week. I, I was only disappointed about one thing that it rained for four straight days before the tournament started and they got the, they got a much softer version of Matitacon than most people are used to. And that's okay. I mean, that's why they shot the lower scores. If they had it firm and fast, the scores would have been completely different. And there were plenty of guys that still got eaten up at the back end of the field that were like, wow, this is this place is brutal. So it was enough to give them a taste, you know what I mean? And when they come back next year, hopefully it's firm and fast. And they walk away saying, wow, that is really, you know, that's something special. If you look at the state open four or five years ago, the year prior to us hosting it, 17 under one. The year we hosted it when it was firm and fast and a little bit windy, four over won the tournament. So <laughs> and some of those guys playing corn fair were playing. So it was a different golf course when it was when it's wet. There's no question about it. Which comment earlier about how difficult the golf course can play compared to Manasquan. You know, it's 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 modern golf. I mean, you know, Robert Trent Jones never made anything easy. He, it's everything's a fall off, everything's a runaway. You know, your angles are are sometimes uh, cantered away from you when you're trying to bring it in right to left, and it, it actually falls the other way. Fairways run that way when you're trying to bring it in the opposite side. It's a really difficult place when it's firm and fast. So we'll see what happens next if we you know if we get it the way we want it. Will you have it back next year? Yes, we're, we're hosting again next year. Awesome. Is that breaking news or is that... Uh... No, no, they, it was a two-year contract. What we're oh, actually, okay. I'll tell you what's breaking news is they were so impressed with the product 
and I don't want to I don't want to say anything that could get us in trouble. But they're, they're we can cut it if you want us to. Well, no, they're possibly looking at seeing if if we could be the championship or one of the championship venues versus one of the regular venues because it's now golf, which would be later in the year, be like late September, early October. Yeah, kind of like where they are right now. Yeah. To be honest which plays into firm and fast for us, which is great. It does. No, yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. We'll see what happens. What was what was exactly your role in in helping set up the Corn Ferry event? Was it did they just come in and take over, or did they ask for your advice on things? Like, what was your whether it be day to day or like on the overhaul there? It was a really good combination. I mean, we had tons of meetings early um, between the magnet sponsorship, all the gentlemen from and the and the ladies from that uh, committee, as well as the Corn Ferry tour, and you know we met at the club with. Uh, Derek and Tyler. Derek's the general manager. Tyler's the head pro. Our board of directors. And we just kind of laid the groundwork down. And then they kept coming back for site visits. Um, you know, we just kept going back and forth, back and forth until they kind of got a handle on who was doing what. And and like I said before, and this is no reflection on me, I really had nothing to do with it. It was more um, Derek and Tyler uh, and their entire staffs inside and outside. Um they were blown away by the level of service that we provided for them, that, that we helped them run the type of operation that they wanted to run. So I felt, I felt proud about that, you know, from the standpoint that it wasn't me, it was all the guys that, that are there doing the job. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. I still, I still say to this day, the 27th hole there is far and away one of the most difficult holes that I can ever think of in the area. It's brutal. It's I was gonna brutal. ask. I was gonna ask you what your favorite hole is, Brent, because I know Mike loves the twenty seventh hole. <laughs> well, I always bring it up because I does. feel like it always it always like ruins your nine yeah. or ruins your round. Twenty yeah. seventh is the hardest. I'll give you that. Um, favorite. I, I I still am partial to number seven, where it goes straight out and then turns the corner and you come walking around the corner. It's a beautiful fairway bunker, and then you look down. You got water on the left. You got the backdrop above it that goes up into the pine trees and you have this peanut shaped Robert Trent Jones green. That's like brutally difficult, has a spine in the middle of it, but aesthetically it's just gorgeous. I mean, I, I think it's a really cool hole. There you go. I mean, listen, I, I, <clears throat> I love that place. I'll tell you the one thing that scares me to death about Matita Conk, and I say this to Ryan all the time, or if we ever end up playing in certain spots, like I will not go in the woods. It's between ticks and chiggers. Like I want nothing <laughs> to do with looking for balls in those woods. I will gladly take a two-stroke penalty than go in there and deal with that that craziness. I don't blame you. I think if we get you guys out there in October, you don't have to worry about that stuff because we get the fescue down a little bit. You know, we cut it down to a reasonable height. The chiggers are gone. The ticks are gone. And you will be able to find your golf ball. So you guys actually could enjoy yourselves. So I'll, I'll tell you. So, Brent, I, I did get to play it one time, but it's now many years ago. And Mike and I have been going back and forth with, like, is there a time limit on having your, like, greatest courses you've played? But it's been so long since I've played Matita Conk that I didn't – I don't remember any of the holes. The only one I remember is the 27th, but that's only because I camped out there at the Corn Ferry Tour event. So I don't remember playing any of them. All right, well, consider this your open invitation. And if you don't take me up on it, I blame you. <laughs> Mike, October? Listen, I'll never say no to that place. Let's go. I'll get lost at that place. I'll get lost at that place. I'll be honest with you, Pro. Another person that we've been talking to a lot, as at least, 
you know, I, I try to get K-Mac on the show too because I don't think there's a better teaching pro or guy that's able to really dissect the golf swing. Yep. I mean, he's got to be the next big thing. Don't you agree? Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he, he really understands the three styles of swing over neutral and under, and he's putting it in his own perspective. Um, he's great. And he del- his delivery, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's what sells a lot of people. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to say anything when he has that accent. You're like, I just believe you no matter what. Everybody loves the Irish brogue. I mean, it's just, it's it's part of golf. It's part of the- <laughs> no doubt. I know. No doubt. Everybody I talk to, everybody that goes and takes a lesson from, they're like, I don't really know if I'm getting the full on truth or if I fully believe him, but whatever he says, it's it's beyond believable. Yeah, it works. It definitely works. But Ryan, back to Ryan playing number 27. I want to see that on video. Oh, listen, so do I. I want ball and hole, bro, from the back tees. Yeah, I want back tee. I want back tee. I want ball and hole, and I want to see every shot. Okay. Me too. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what. Uh, I promise you, you have us out there. I will record that one for you. Hole 27. You ready? I'll make you a deal. You make par. Um, You make par. I will dive in the pond on 27. Pro, pro, net par? No, no. Or gross? No, no, no. Par. <laughs> Straight up. Is par. it? Is what? it my twenty seventh hole? It can be your first hole. You can take it any any way you want it. <laughs> I don't want it there either. Nine sounds good to me. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. Again, uh, Brett, I I would certainly take up that opportunity. Uh, Pro, we'll I'm normally rooting for the double bogey. Yeah. I'm normally rooting for the anger to come out. Like I love seeing. He him wants to up. see the Hulk come out. Now He's I not going to like me when I'm angry. I got to see the par. I love it. I gave you my word. Seeing seeing your ass dive in that pond would go viral between all the people that know you. They'd be loving life. You would never live that down, I dude. put it out there. I put it out there. Uh, so, so, Pro, kind of like as we wrap this up, there's a couple questions that we like to ask guys. Sure. Um, and, and obviously being someone who's been around the state for quite some time, you know, you know some of the good spots to go to. And I don't know how familiar you may be with the public side of, of New Jersey golf, but if you had to recommend a public and a private spot to somebody that if they got invited or they had an opportunity to go play, they go do that. Um, we like to say you're not allowed to include Matita Conk in there Fair as enough. well as Pine Valley, as well as Pine Valley, because the odds that people actually get invited out there are, are really slim to none, even though I did get out there at the end of August and it's absolutely phenomenal. But um it is, I want to hear your two choices. It is a great place. Um, there's one that kind of rides the line. It, it keeps getting bought, and now it's private again. Was public. Uh, Atlantic City Country Club, I, I'm in love with. I, I mean, the Frasers did a great job there way back, and I just think it's a phenomenal piece of property, and they do a great job there. So that could, that obviously now is private, but I got to give you one more that, not enough people talk about and that's Essex County Country Club. I absolutely love McDonald, Rainer Banks, that style design, that 1910, 1920, 1930 era was so good. And that golf course is so spectacular. So those are kind of my two secret private that I would say you got to go, you have to go see. But everybody knows that, you know, 
Hollywood and Ridgewood and Somerset Hills and, you know, Plainfield. They're, they're great. Everybody knows that. Right. But not, not enough people talk about Essex County and Atlantic City, in my opinion. Well, that's you- one. Mike and I talk about Atlantic City quite a bit. Like I, that's one where I, I literally just talked the other day. I regret not playing Atlantic City when it was when it was public. I really do because yeah. you hear so many great things about it. It really has the old school vibe. That ball on the ground, that ball moves in all different directions, and there's a big ground game there. It's not all aerial attack, and it's it's a really fun place to play golf. I really enjoy the architecture of that golf course. really do. And the wind and everything. And do you have a public? Public's tough. Um, it's normally a tricky question for a lot of guys. It's so, it's so hard because we live in Monmouth County. I mean, you've got so many good ones right here between Charleston and Howell and Lakewood and I mean you got you just got some fun nice golf courses yeah you know I mean so I, I don't know I mean public public I, my last round I'm going to Pebble Beach I don't care if I fly across country and I know <laughs> everybody's like oh but it's you know it's 500 whatever I don't care what it costs Pebble Beach is by far the greatest place on earth is it better than Bandon it's just different I mean, I, I personally love Seashore. I love Royal County Down, and I love, you know, St. Andrews, and I love anything that's on the water. I absolutely put above everything else because that's my preference, not because it's a better right. golf course, right? So all those holes on the water at Pebble just blow me away. So if I'm going public, that's where I'm going, you know, but that's obviously not Jersey golf. So uh, we can get on the plane. Yeah, we can gladly take a plane ride with you out there. You, know, you tell us when we're hopping on. If you guys are going, I'm meeting you there. There's there's a few guys at Matitacock that got private jets. Maybe they'll give us a ride. Absolutely. <laughs> I won't name any names on this one because they'll get phone calls. No. Yeah. So the the other question that we kind of like ending these with uh, is golfers are kind of quirky by nature. Whether it's you know uh, I've been told to adjust my my wording, it's habits or or what have you. But as someone who plays golf at such a high level for so long over the years, is there something that you've developed that you, that you would call like a quirk or a habit before you play in any kind of competition? Um, whether it's, you know, we've had some people say they don't tie their shoes till the first tee or all the golf balls need to be odd numbers or, you know, whatever. What, what are some things that you have for you? So that's interesting. Um, later in my career, I actually, I won more tournaments after I learned this. I used to warm up a lot. I used to hit a lot of golf balls and I'd have good success or bad success. I mean, just depending on the day. And then one time I showed up late for a tournament and played really well. And then two weeks later, by chance, I got a crazy traffic jam and showed up late again and played really well again, zero shots right to the tape. And so I started saying, that's strange, man. What's going on here? So from that point forward, I figured out I play much better golf if I hit one or two or three chip shots, maybe one hybrid, and go right to the tip because I have to find it on the golf course versus find it on the range, hit 30 balls, 40 balls, 50 balls, wait 20 minutes, go to the range, and find it again. And now it's a different it's a different ball flight than I found on the range. So I refuse to hit golf balls before I tee off. I will literally go wow. right to the tee, no shots. Wow. I, I, that's just I, can dig, that, I can dig that. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I know it's strange, but I just play much better golf if I don't hit any golf balls. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I can, 
And I, I can't like give you some of the secrets of my younger days <laughs> between Advil and, you know, maybe a beer here and there, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Leave> that <along. laughs> That's good. We can keep that in the vault. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, obviously, you know, we, we talk New Jersey golf. It's a New Jersey podcast. Yep. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you your opinion on the greatest debate in New Jersey history. And that is, what is the name of the particular breakfast meat that goes on a sandwich? I don't care what you call it. The bottom line is, it's Taylor ham or pork roll. I love them both. <laughs> and both phenomenal. I think one of them comes out of Trenton, doesn't it? Um, but the bottom line is, you got to pick one. You're going to the you're going to the store. What are you ordering? I go pork roll, egg and cheese. Sorry, that's there what I, that's what I'm talking about. That's all we needed. That's, that's all we needed. <laughs> that's how we put the cherry on top, bro. That's how we put the cherry on top here. Mike, We're not letting Mike you and live I rate, down the middle. Mike and I rate interviews by that question alone. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, listen. <laughs> you can't play down the middle here. We both you? we both knew you were a pork roll guy, being that you said you're from Manasquan, and I, I'm living in. So I'm a pork roll guy as well. Perfect. I was trying to play yeah, the middle road. See, typical golf pro. Yeah, don't that play the was, middle road. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, well, listen, we're not here to play both sides. You're going to state your opinion. You're going to stick to your gun. Right. I Say we're right. Just like your just like your Parkway exits. You know, say it proud. Shout it from the mountaintops. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. You guys are awesome. I can't thank you enough for, for coming on here. I know I reached out way back when, and you're down in Florida and finally getting a chance to, to get you on the show. And I know a lot of people have texted me, called me, asked me, like, when are you getting Studer on? And, you know, I'm glad that we were able to deliver for the people. That's great, man. I'm, I'm very happy to be part of it, and I, I love what you guys are doing. And uh, maybe a year from now we'll do it again. And Maybe we'll talk about different subjects. That'd be awesome. And we'll see you in October. Good deal. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> and I will have bathing suit on under my golf pants. Uh, we're taking a fucking picture of that. <laughs> Can't wait. I love Stay it. Boys. All right, Prof. Brent, thanks I'll so much. This was awesome. Anytime. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care.